نعوذ بالله من شرور انفسنا ومن سيئات اعمالنا من يحب الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له واشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له واشهد ان محمدا عبده ورسوله ذلك الفيض بالانس الله بفيض سيكس السيستم والفجيرنس ليستيك رفيج ان الله فمن ايضا باسوف and the evil consequences of our deeds. Whoever Allah guides, there is no one that can lead him astray, and whoever Allah leads astray, there is no one that can guide him. I bear witness that nothing deserves to be worshipped except Allah alone, and that he has no partners or associates, and I bear witness that Muhammad is his slave servant and his messenger. We'd like to continue this evening in lecture number 13 from Kitab al-Qaid. الإمام محمد بن عبد الوهاب بن سليمان الثنيني النجدي رحمه الله من الله بيوتي ثانيًا and the explanation the شرح كتاب التوحيد which we have been following by Sheikh Hamid Al-Qarawi حفظه الله من الله بيوتي ثانيًا and the explanation the شرح كتاب التوحيد which we have been following by Sheikh Hamid Al-Qarawi حفظه الله من الله بيوتي ثانيًا and the explanation the شرح كتاب التوحيد which we the one in front of us, this is a very short chapter, Al-Isti'ala. So, we will try to take this chapter on the following one. And perhaps, I will try to be brief this evening, so that we can complete them. The first chapter is Bab Min Shirki Al-Isti'adatu Bighayrillah. That it is shirk, it is an act of shirk. That one makes isti'adah with other than Allah. And al-isti'adha, it is seeking protection or help or shelter, al-iltijah or al-irtifam, turning to someone or something, al-awr, al-awr, seeking al-awr, seeking shelter or protection or help from someone or something. If a person feels in danger, they may seek refuge or shelter in that which they think can protect them. So it is an act of shirk to seek refuge or shelter in other than Allah. Therefore, <coughs> the shirk began by mentioning an example of al-isti'ala or people who sought help or refuge or shelter in other than Allah showing that this is an example of shirk and that it is forbidden. Al-isti'ala, seeking refuge, it is of different types. So the first type of isti'adha is seeking refuge or help in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And it is an act of ibadah that confirms to a tawheed. Seeking refuge in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala alone. It is an act of ibadah that conforms with tawheed. The second type of isti'adha is seeking refuge or help in other than Allah, in the creatures, in humans, whether dead or alive. And this type of isti'adha is primarily in two divisions. The first of them is seeking refuge in the creatures, in a matter that only Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has power over it. In a matter which only Allah controls. The matter that is in the control of Allah alone, if anyone seeks refuge in other than Allah in that thing, then it is definitely shirk. However, seeking refuge in other than Allah seeking help from Allah bin Allah in a matter that the human being has the power, the ability to help one in, it is not shirk and it is allowed. And if someone was drowning and they saw someone near and they asked him, save me, help me, it's permissible to do this. This is seeking help or seeking refuge from someone in a matter that they have the ability to help one in. This is permissible. However, even in this permissible type, some of the scholars discussed it in detail, and I'll just mention it briefly, just as a note, that an isti'adha, it might include seeking help outwardly, and it may also include giving one's heart and self over to, having hope completely and totally in someone or something. The isti'adha of the heart, it belongs to Allah alone. Whereas the outward, Isti'adha, seeking refuge in someone. If it isn't a thing that that person has the ability to help one in, it's permissible. 
as long as we understand that the one we are seeking help from is only a cover, a cause or a reason, a means that Allah has made available to help you. But really, the real seeking of refuge it is in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So that we have to distinguish between asking for help from creatures in the things that Allah has decreed that they have the ability to help you in, while not giving your heart over to the creature, but knowing that ultimately the help is from Allah alone. So in summary we can say that istiada, if it is seeking help from seeking refuge in Allah alone, then it is ibadah in accordance with Tawheed, and if it is seeking refuge in other than Allah, subhanahu wa ta'ala, if it is in something that the human being or creature has the ability to help in, it is allowed. And if it is in that which is exclusive to Allah alone, it is shirk. And in that which is allowed, in the things that the humans or creatures have the ability to help them, also we need to distinguish the distinction between the outward help and the person's heart, being dependent or reliant or turning totally to other than Allah. And if the heart seeking refuge in anything by the heart, it has to be for Allah alone. Okay, this is the summary of Al-Istiyadah, and here the Shaykh begins, Al-Imam Muhammad ibn Abdul Wahhab, Rahimahullah, begins with the first evidence, the saying of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, in Surah Al-Jinn, verse 6, وَأَنَّهُ كَانَ رِجَالٌ مِنَ الْإِنْسِ يَعُوذُونَ بِرِجَالٌ مِنَ الْجِنِ فَزَادُوهُمْ رَحَقًا That there were some men from amongst the human beings, رِجَالٌ مِنَ الْإِنْسِ from amongst human beings, who used to seek refuge, يَعُوذُونَ بِرِجَالٍ مِنَ الْجِنِ In the men from amongst the jinn, فَزَادُوهُمْ رَحَقًا And they only increased them in رَحَقًا and Raha, the scholars of Tafsir and the scholars of Sunnah said has two possible interpretations. If those, if the meaning of Fazaduhim, that they increase them, those who, who increase the others, if it refers to the jinn, that they increase the men in Raha, it means they increase them in having more fear. They only made them more fearful and going astray, misleading them more. They went further astray. Yani, the men taking refuge in the jinn, the jinn caused the men to have more fear. They were in fear, so they sought refuge in the jinn. The jinn made them have more fear and made them go further astray. But if the meaning of they increased them in Rahaqa means that the men increased the jinn in Rahaqa, then the meaning here is that they increased them in arrogance. Increased the jinn, made them more arrogant and proud than they were before and in transgression. They went beyond the down even more. And the meaning of Rahaqa if it is in reference to the human beings, it means they are increased in fear and misguidance. And if it is in reference to the jinn, it means they are increased in arrogance and pride and transgression. And so the scholars of Tafsir have chosen either these interpretations or both of them. Here the Sheikh says, Al-Qarawi, Hafidullah says, that here in this ayah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has informed us that there were men from amongst the human beings who used to seek refuge whenever they were in fear they used to seek refuge in men from amongst the jinn seeking their protection from their followers yani seeking protection in the big powerful jinn from the weaker jinns the Arabs in the time of Jahiliya if they used to go to a place in the desert or in a valley they used to believe that the jinns in those valleys had power over them and could harm them so they used to seek refuge in the powerful jinn to protect them from the lesser ones uh, so here he says that this used to take place when the people were in fear, the men from amongst the jinn used to seek refuge in men from amongst the jinn, seeking their protection, and they used to increase them by seeking refuge in the jinn. They made the jinns go beyond the bounds even further, made them transgress even further, and also made them more proud and arrogant, thinking that they had some power, as the men were seeking refuge in them instead of seeking refuge in Allah. Uh, and the other meaning is that the men were increased they were already fearful, and by seeking refuge in the jinn, the jinn used that opportunity to put more fear into them and to lead them further astray. They were astray in seeking refuge in other Allah, and the jinn made them go even further astray. From this uh, ayah, the Shaykh mentions three points. The first of them is the prohibition on al-istiyadah in other than Allah. It is haram to seek refuge in other than Allah. The second point, that whoever turns for help or shelter or refuge to other than Allah, Allah will leave them and He will abandon them and they will be on their own. If a person decides to seek refuge in other than Allah rather than Allah, Allah will leave them. That which they sought refuge in, they will be abandoned. 
And the third point is the confirmation or affirmation of the existence of jinn. And that amongst the jinn they are both males and females. Men and women. The relationship of this ayah to the chapter that al-istiada, seeking refuge in other than Allah's shirk, is that in this ayah we come to know that al-istiada in other than Allah, seeking refuge in other than Allah, is haram. In the verse Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, فَزَادُوهُمْ رَحَقًا That means that in doing this, seeking refuge in other than Allah, they will increase in transgression, in arrogance, in fear, and misguidance. Therefore this shows that it is prohibited. Therefore, we can understand from this that what is allowed is seeking refuge in Allah alone. So al-istiada, it is ibadah. If it is done in Allah, it is in accordance with Tawheed, and if it is done in other than Allah, then it's shirk. As offering any act of worship to other than Allah is shirk. Then the Shaykh mentions the point about the uh, what is meant by Zadihim, does it mean the men increase the jinn or the jinn increase the men as we already mentioned. The second evidence that Imam Muhammad ibn Wahhab mentioned is the hadith reported by Imam Muslim rahimahullah an khawlata binti hakim radiyallahu anha qalat sumaysu rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam yaqul she said the messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam saying من نزل منزلا فقال يعني whoever stops at a place a house or any place for rest whoever stops at a place to spend the night من نزل منزلا فقال and then they said or as in the narration in a Muslim the actual text of the hadith is ثم قال whoever stops at a place to spend the night then they said أعوذ بكلمات الله التامة من شر ما خلق I seek refuge in the perfect word of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala from the evil of what he has created whoever says these words أعوذ بكلمات الله التامات من شر ما خلق whoever seeks refuge in the perfect word of Allah in the speech of Allah meaning the Quran the Quran the Quran is the speech of Allah whoever seeks refuge in the perfect word of Allah from the evil of what he has created. Meaning, of the created beings, there are some that contain evil, and there are some that are good, and for those that have some evil in them, that a person may be harmed from, whoever seeks refuge from that evil, which is in some of the created beings which Allah has created, taking refuge by the, by the perfect words of Allah, لَمْ يَدُرَّهُ شَيْءٌ حَتَّى يَرْحَلَ أَوْ يَرْتَحِلَ من منزله ذلك يعني the wording in the book is حتى يرحل وكن صحيح مسلم the wording is يرتحل من منزله ذلك يعني that he would not be harmed by anything that person who seeks refuge in the perfect word of Allah would not be harmed by anything until they left from that place where they have stopped to spend the night or where they stopped to stay for some time the Shaykh says concerning the explanation of this hadith that Khawla bin Hakim radiallahu anha informed us that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam has established a sunnah he has established a way of acting of behavior in worship for the Muslims with yani in reference to al-istiadah seeking refuge and this istiadah or seeking refuge he has offered it to the Muslims in replacement are seeking refuge in the jinn. And the people in that time used to seek refuge in the jinn and other than the jinn and the Prophet established it as the legislative way or one of the legislative ways of seeking refuge and seeking refuge in Allah through his perfect words. Also, we have been informed in this hadith that whoever seeks refuge and whoever seeks shelter or protection in the perfect words of Allah those words which have, which are free from any defect or any imperfection unlike the words of human beings which contain defect and imperfection the words of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala are perfect therefore whoever seeks refuge in them when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will be sufficient for him to protect him from the evil of every creature that contains any evil Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will be sufficient to protect him from the evil of any creature that has evil until they move on from that place in which they have sought refuge in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in it. 
In this hadith, the Shaykh mentioned five things. The first of them is clarification of the barakah or the blessing that is in this dua. And there is a great barakah in this blessing. There is a great benefit in this uh, dua. There is a great benefit in this dua. In that, whoever uses it, seeking refuge in Allah alone, then they will be protected from all harm until they go into another place. Secondly, that the Quran, it is revealed, it is sent down, منزل غير مخلوق. It is not something created, but it is revealed from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. As many of the scholars said, Al-Quran, Salam Allah, غير مخلوق. The Quran is the speech of Allah, it is not created. So also, uh, we may derive from this hadith that the Quran is the revelation, the speech of Allah, it is not created. And also, that Al-Isti'adah, seeking refuge, and here there is a mistake in the translation of the Sharh. I don't remember exactly what he said, but in any case, yeah. He said that Al-Isti'adah, it should not be, it is not lawful or permissible to make, to seek refuge in other than Allah. Nor to seek refuge in the Sifat of Allah, and this is a mistake. But actually it should read, it is not permissible to seek refuge in Allah, to seek refuge in other than Allah, nor is it permissible to seek refuge in other than the Sifat of Allah. And it's permissible to seek refuge in Allah, and it's permissible to seek refuge in the Sifat of Allah. But the reading in the translation reads as though it's not permissible to seek refuge in the Sifat of Allah, and the opposite is true. It's permissible to seek refuge in Allah, and it's permissible to seek refuge in the characteristics of Allah, the qualities of Allah, as in this hadith, Hawla, Akhawla, uh, bin Hakim said that the Prophet taught us to seek refuge in the perfect words of Allah. And this is one of the sifat of Allah, His words, His speech. Number four, clarification of the manner. Also there is a mistake here. The translation is, uh, I, don't, I didn't write it down, but I just looked at it quickly. And there is some mistake also in the reading here. It should read, clarification of the manner of the legislative isti'adah. The manner in which isti'adah has been legislated. How does it read? Evidence, uh-huh. Yeah, that seeking shelter in Allah is prescribed by the religion. It doesn't mean that here, that seeking refuge in Allah is prescribed by the religion. But what the Sheikh said here is, here is a clarification of the manner of the legally prescribed isti'adah. Although seeking refuge in Allah is prescribed by the religion, but that's not what the Sheikh said here as this thing. The correct reading should be clarification of the manner of al-isti'adah al-mishru'ah, the legislated isti'adah. And the last point is clarification of the comprehensiveness and the perfection of the Qur'an. The relationship of this hadith to the chapter under discussion, yani that seeking refuge in other than Allah is shirk, is that this hadith points to the fact that it is not permissible to make isti'adah with other than Allah or the sifat of Allah. It is not permissible to seek refuge in Allah or in other than Allah or other than his sifat. Because the isti'adah is ibadah and offering ibadah to other than Allah is shirk, major shirk, shirk akbar. Any act of worship that's offered to other than Allah is shirk akbar. Uh, this is the end of this chapter and perhaps we'll save the question until the end so that we can complete the following chapter. So many remind me please to go back to the questions for this chapter. Uh, the next chapter is Ba'ath and it's related to this chapter Ba'ath means shirk and yastaghitha bi That it is also shirk, it is an act of shirk to seek help or aid when a person is in distress, to seek al-ghawr help or aid or assistance when a person is distressed, when they are in danger, when they are in a very difficult situation. Seeking help or aid in distress from other than Allah as well as supplicating, asking for help or assistance or protection from other than Allah, it is shirk. And there are two things he mentions here, al-istighatha, al-istighatha is seeking al-ghawr, seeking help or assistance when a person is in distress. Al-istighatha in other than Allah is shirk and also a dua supplicating other than Allah is shirk and keeping in mind that a dua is a two main type dua al-mas'ala that is when a person supplicates asking Allah 
direct you for something, whatever it may be, a thing in this world and the next life. And a dua al ibadah. Dua al ibadah meaning doing an act of worship. And through that act of worship, hoping to receive what you are desiring. Instead of asking by words, but asking by performing an act of worship. Dua al masala is asking in words, and dua al ibadah is asking by performing an act of worship. And both of these are understood here. Both of these are prohibited to be done for other than Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The first element that the Shaykh makes or mentions here, Al-Imam Muhammad al is the thing of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in Surah Al-Yunus, chapter 10, verse 106. وَلَا تَدْعُوا مِنْ دُونِ اللَّهِ مَا لَا يَنْفَعُكَ وَلَا يَدُرُّكَ وَلَا يَدُرُّكَ فَإِنْ فَعَلْتَ فَإِنَّكَ إِذًا مِنَ الظَّالِمِينَ وَلَا تَدْعُوا مِنْ دُونِ اللَّهِ Do not supplicate anyone or anything مِنْ دُونِ اللَّهِ less than Allah Not only does it mean other than Allah but it means more specifically less than Allah because everything other than Allah is less than Him وَلَا تَدْعُوا It is لَا النَّهِيَةِ Prohibition and the prohibition indicates a تَحْرِيمِ So it means that it is haram to supplicate anyone other than or less than Allah سبحانه وتعالى and either way by asking by words or by asking by acts of worship Dua al-Masala or Dua al-Ibadah Don't supplicate other than Allah or that which is less than Allah Ma la yamsa'uka wa la yadurruk That which cannot give you any benefit nor cause you any harm And here ma it is general and it includes everything or everyone that may be supplicated other than Allah Anyone or anything that is supplicated other than Allah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala describes those things as that which cannot benefit you in any way, nor can it cause you any harm. Therefore, what is the benefit of supplicating such? And if you had done so, and here, this ayah is addressed to the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, Allah is telling him, do not do so. And of course, the Prophet sallallahu wouldn't supplicate other than Allah, but it is a guidance for the ummah, and for all may follow the way of the pagans. If you had did so and supplicated anything less than Allah, فَإِنَّكَ إِذَا مِنَ الظَّالِمِينَ Then as a result of that you would be of the ظَالِمِينَ Here the ظَالِمِينَ means الْمُشْرِكِينَ الظُّلْم It is shirk Of course we said ظُلْم is of different types ظُلْم where the person does wrongdoing to themselves or wrongdoing to others or ظُلْم in reference to Allah it means a shirk And this is mentioned in the same Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the Qur'an Surah Al-Luqman إِنَّ الظُّلْم but really, a shirk it is a great zulm. So here the meaning of zulm will be of the volume means of the mishrikeen. The shaykh says in the general meaning of this ayah that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has prohibited, in this ayah he has prohibited his prophet Muhammad sallallahu wa sallam, and this prohibition is for all of the Muslim Ummah, for everyone, not only for him, but it is for the Ummah. It is prohibiting him from worshipping or asking anyone or anything other than Allah. And dua here means worship as well as supplication, because dua is of two types. So it is prohibiting him from any type of worship or questioning or requesting or asking from anything or anyone other than Allah, because everything that's other than Allah has no power it has no power to bring any benefit or to cause any harm. And likewise, he has informed him that if he had done so, and of course, it is far beyond and unthinkable that the Prophet would have done so, but he says if he had done so, and this is a warning for if, if the Messenger of Allah is the best of creation had done so, he would be able to reach him. And what about those who are less than him? What about all of the rest of the people who supplicate other than Allah? For indeed, they are mishrikeen. No doubt about it. If he had done so, he would be able to reach from this ayah, the Shaykh mentioned three points. The first of them is that seeking benefit or uh, repulsing harm. This is of those things which are exclusive to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He's done anything to benefit or, or prevent any harm. Number two, whoever supplicates other than Allah, believing that that one which they are supplicating has the power or the ability to give them some benefit or to prevent harm from them, and anyone other than Allah, then that person who does so, then who asks, supplicates other than Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, thinking, believing that that one can give them some benefit or prevent any harm, then that one has indeed fallen into shirk. Akbar, major shirk. And the last point 
is here the Shaykh says that here uh, that shirk is referred to or considered as zulm. Shirk is zulm. And that he said that you would be of the Qa'imin, meaning the Mishrikeen. The next evidence, the second evidence in this chapter, it is the same Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. In Surah Al-Yunus chapter 10 verse 107. وَإِنْ يَمْسَفْكَ اللَّهُ بِذُرٍ فَلَا كَاشِفَ لَهُ إِلَّا هُ That if Allah touches you or afflicts you with any dhur, any hurt or harm, sickness or otherwise, then no one can remove it except Him. If Allah caused any harm to befall you, no one can remove it except Him. There is no need to supplicate other than Allah. No one can remove it except Him. وَإِنْ يُرِذْكَ بِخَيْرٍ فَلَا غَادَّ لِفَضْلِهِ يُصِيبُ بِهِ مَنْ يَشَاءَ مِنْ عِبَادِهِ مِنْ عِبَادِهِ وَهُوَ الْغَفُورُ الرَّحِيمُ And if Allah intends, if Allah intends or wants for you some good, and if Allah has decreed for you some good, then there is no one who can repulse it, no one who can stop it, no one who can stop Allah's favor from reaching you, but in fact Allah causes it to reach whomever He wills as His servants. And He is Al-Ghafur, the one who is full of forgiveness for those who turn to Him in repentance, even if they committed shirk. Allah is Al-Ghafur, He is full of forgiveness for those who repent to Him, no matter what they have done. And He is Al-Rahim, the one who is merciful. Uh, here the Shaykh says, the meaning of this hadith is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has informed His Prophet Muhammad وسلم, that Al-Khayr and Al-Shar that good and evil, both of them, they are within the decree of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. They are that which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala controls by His decree. And no one from amongst the creatures possesses any control over them, has any power over them, whoever it may be. And no matter if it is angels or prophets or righteous or otherwise, no one possesses any control over them other than Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Uh, so that removing harm from anyone, and repulsing good or holding back good, this is something that no one controls except Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Yani, the total control over everything, it belongs to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He is the one who holds back whatever he wills from his servants according to his hikmah. And he is the one who gives whatever he wills to his servants according to his fadl. And whatever Allah holds back from anyone, it is according to wisdom, his perfect knowledge and wisdom. And whatever Allah gives to whomever He wills, it is by His fadl, His favor, and His bounty. All of it is with Allah. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He says, is Al-Ghafur, Al-Rahim, meaning that He is the one who is often forgiving, even yani, to those who repent to Him, even if they fell into shirk, and He is the one who is uh, merciful to those who turn back to Him by doing good deeds in order to seek His mercy. From this hadith, the Shaykh mentioned five things. The first of them is that al-khayr and al-shar, good and evil, it is under the cover of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It is what Allah controls by His decree. No good or evil can come to anyone except Allah decrees it. Secondly, the confirmation of the characteristics, physical irada for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in a way that is appropriate and suitable to His majesty and His glory. And the al-irada, that Allah has a will, this is confirmed. In this ayah, where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, وَإِنْ يُرِدْكَ If Allah wants for you, if He wills for you, some good, nobody can hold it back. Here, al-irada, the will of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, is confirmed in the way that is suitable and appropriate to the majesty of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And likewise, the confirmation of the sifa of al-mashiyah, al-mashiyah. And the difference between al-irada and al-mashiyah is very little. And some of the scholars, have shown that they are sometimes used interchangeably. Both of them refer to the will of Allah, what Allah wills to happen. But sometimes, as we know, al-irada, it is divided into two types, al-irada al-qawmiyah, wa qadariyah, and al-irada al-shari'iyah, or diniyah, and the universal will, and the religious or legal will. And often, or more often, al-irada is used to refer to the shari'iyah, the legal will of Allah. And that Allah has legislated something, and He loves it and he wants the people to do it, and they may or may not do it. They may or may not do it. Allah doesn't force them. Allah loves, and he has dedicated for us to pray, but he doesn't force the people to pray. They may or may not pray. Where is that? Irada, Qadariya, 
Tanzania Universal World, it is more often referred to as Al Mashia, Al Mashia. That is, that which Allah decrees to be, it may be what He loves or what He does not love. But when Allah decrees it, when Allah rules it by His Mashia, it has to be. And this is usually referred to by the scholars by the saying, Masha Allah Kana, whatever Allah Sha'a, whatever He will, His Mashia, it was. وَمَا لَمْ يَشَاءَ لَمْ يَكُونَ Whatever Allah doesn't will, it will never be. So here Al-Mashiyah is more commonly referred to Al-Iradah Al-Qawiyah, the universal will of Allah, which must happen if Allah wills it. Whereas Al-Iradah is more commonly referring to Al-Iradah Al-Shari'iyah, the legal will, a legislative will, at which Allah legislates, and He loves for the people to do it, though they may or may not do it. It may or may not happen. And we discuss this in detail in Al-Aqidah Al-Sahawiyah. Number four, the conservation of the perfection of the sovereignty of Allah and His authority. The sovereignty of Allah and His authority is perfect, complete, and total. Number five, the conservation of two names from the Asma of Allah, two of the names of Allah, al Ghafur and Ar-Rahim, the Forgiven and the Merciful, and these two names contain two characteristics of Allah, Al-Maghfirah and Ar-Rahman. They contain, these two names contain two characteristics of Allah. Forgiveness and mercy. And we said that is a basic rule in Tawheed al Asma al Sifat, which we discussed in the al Atiqad by Imam ibn Qudama, that every one of the names of Allah contains a characteristic, sifat. But not every sifat characteristic of Allah may be used to indicate a name. It's not clear, we may discuss it a lot of times. But anyway, it's a general rule which we discussed previously that any name of Allah, it contains a characteristic within it. The name Al-Ghafur contains Maghfirah, forgiveness. And the name Ar-Rahim contains Rahmah, mercy. But not every one of the characteristics of Allah that He's described by is a name. But Allah Ta'ala He descends in the last third of the night. But we don't call Allah any name from this characteristic and Nizul. We don't say Allah is the Nazir. This is the meaning of not every characteristic of Allah is a name. But every one of His names contains a characteristic. The relationship between this uh, ayah and the chapter under discussion is that this ayah indicates that the removal of harm and the bringing of benefit it is from the things that are special, particular and peculiar to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala therefore seeking it seeking the removal of harm or the bringing of some benefit from other than Allah is shirk it is associating something with Allah is shirk akbar, major shirk the third evidence that Imam Muhammad ibn Abdul Wahab mentions is the saying of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in Surah Al-Ankabut, chapter 29, verse 17, إِنَّ مَا تَعْبُدُونَ مِنْ دُونِ اللَّهِ That verily, that which you are worshipping, huh? that which you are worshipping other than Allah, or that from less than Allah, they are nothing but idols. Verily, that which you are worshipping less than Allah, it is, or other than Allah, it is nothing but idols. And also here, uh, Al-Ibadah, we said that it is all-inclusive, the general, and the all-inclusive meaning of Al-Ibadah, it is whatever Allah loves and is pleased with, whether actions or speech, openly or secretly. So verily, that which you are worshiping other than Allah is nothing but idols. وَتَقْلِقُونَ إِفْكَنِ And you are doing nothing but inventing lies. And what? They have attributed to the idols that they can give some benefit or harm, is no more than lies. إِلَّا الَّذِينَ تَعْبُدُونَ مِنْ دُونِ اللَّهِ لَا يَمْلِكُونَ لَكُمْ رِزْقًا فَذْكَرُوا إِنَّ اللَّهِ الرِّزْقِ It's only those who are worshipping and by ibadah, by seeking sustenance or asking your help or aid from other than Allah, they don't control, they have no power for you to do anything in terms of giving you provisions. They have no power to give you provisions. They have no ability to provide for you, to sustain you. Therefore, you are ordered to seek, to request, to ask for your sustenance, your provisions from Allah alone. From Allah alone and not other than Allah. And worship Him. And worship Allah alone. Make the worship purely for Allah alone. Without associating anyone with Him. Seeking sustenance. Asking from other than Allah is worship. So here Allah subhanahu wa says that no one has the power to give you sustenance other than Him. Therefore seek your sustenance from Him. وَعْبُدُهُ And worship Him. وَشْكُرُوا لَهُ And be thankful or grateful to Him. إِلَيْهِ تُرْجَعُونَ It is to Him that you will return. Yeah, I mean, you will die, you will be resurrected, and you will be judged by Him alone. And reward according to your actions. إِلَيْهِ تُرْجَعُونَ It is to Him alone that you will return. He is the one who will call you to account. 
the Shaykh says the real meaning of this ayat is that Allah has informed us in this ayat about Ibrahim the Prophet of Allah Ibrahim the friend of Allah and that he was making clear to his people this point and in this ayat it is revealed in reference to the instruction of the Prophet Ibrahim to his people he is making known to them the reality that whatever they are worshipping other than Allah it is no more than idols they cannot give them anything, it cannot provide for them, protect them or give them any help they have no control over harm or benefit and that they are only inventing lies by attributing to these idols the ability to benefit then he makes clear to them that these idols don't have any ability to bring about any good they don't have any power over good therefore all good it should be sourced from Allah alone and no one along with him and he is the one that deserves pure ibadah yani ikhlas and ibadah Allah is the only one who deserves that we worship him purely and alone and that we praise him with the pure praise and that we are thankful yani ibadah and praise and gratitude are thankfulness that belongs to Allah alone because the end of us all our final destination it is to him yani we will die we will be resurrected and we will be rewarded everyone according to his deeds from this ayah, the Shaykh mentions five things. The first of them is that the aql, the origin or the foundation of the being of the messengers, all of the messengers of Allah, it is a tawheed. The aql of being, it is tawheed. It is the foundation of being with all the prophets. It was with Ibrahim, with Musa, with Isa, all the prophets who came before. Number two, the falsehood of the worship of idols is clarified here, and that the idols, they have no ability to give benefit or to cause harm, therefore why should they be worshipped? Number three, that good and evil, it is under the power or the qadr of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Number four, the obligation of worshipping Allah and thanking Him. And it is obligation to worship Him, the order us to worship Him and thank Him. For it is to Him that we will return. He is the one who will judge us and call us to account. And finally, in this uh, ayah also there is the confirmation of al-ma'ad or the return for judgment in the last words of the ayat ilayhi turja'un al-ma'ad is confirmed that all people will return to Allah's ta'ala for judgment will be resurrected and judged on the day of judgment the relationship between this ayat and the chapter and the discussion is that this ayat indicates that sustenance or provisions should only be sought from Allah should only be sourced from Allah Therefore, seeking it from other than Allah is shirk. And seeking provisions, sustenance from other than Allah is shirk. The fourth evidence that the Shaykh mentions, that Imam Ahmad al Wahhab mentions, is the saying of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in Surah Al Ahqaf, chapter 46, verse 6 and 7. وَمَنْ أَضَلُّ مِنْ مِنْ يَدْعُوا مِنْ دُونِ اللَّهِ Who is more straight? And here it is a question form, istifham, men, but the meaning of it is inkar, or rejection, rud. It means that Allah is rejecting the idea that a person should supplicate other than Allah. وَمَنْ أَضَلُّ مِنْ مَنْ يَدْعُوا مِنْ دُونِ اللَّهِ Who is more straight? Who is more ignorant than the one who supplicates other than Allah, who worships other than Allah, who asks for anything, their needs or whatever, from other than Allah. And the meaning of this statement, who is more astray than the one who supplicates other than Allah, it means there is no one more astray than the one who supplicates other than Allah. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala describes those who they supplicate beside him, وَمَنْ أَضَلُّ مِنْ مَنْ يَدْعُوا مِنْ دُونِ اللَّهِ مَنْ لَا يَسْتَجِيبُ لَهُ إِلَى يَوْمِ الْقِيَامَةِ And they are supplicating one who will not answer. Even if they are living to Yom Qiyamah, and even if they supplicate the dead, even after they are resurrected, they still won't be able to answer them. In their grave or after they are resurrected. And whoever they are calling on, they will never be able to answer, even until Yom Qiyamah. وَهُمْ عَنْ دُعَائِهُمْ غَافِلُونَ Not only that, but they are unmindful, heedless, unaware of their supplicating them, of their dua. Those who they are supplicating are unaware, unconscious, or unable to respond to them either, because they are themselves busy worshipping Allah such as the angels and the prophets and the righteous who they are calling on they themselves are busy worshipping Allah they are not uh, aware that anyone is supplicating them or those that they are supplicating the idols stones and trees and things like this they are unaware because they don't have any intellect to be conscious or aware of anything so likewise those who they are supplicating not only they will never answer them but they are also unaware of their supplicating وَإِذَا أُشْرَ أَنْ نَاسُ كَانُ لَهُمْ أَعْدَاءً 
وكانوا بعبادتهم كافرين. And not only that, but when the people are elected, meaning when the day of judgment, when people gather in collective for judgment, when those who they used to call upon, they will be their enemies. They will be their enemies. They will deny their uh, supplicating them. They will be وَكَانُوا بِعِبَادَتِهِمْ كَافِرِينَ They will deny and they will reject the worship, the supplicating of those who worship them or who supplicate to them. So how can they call on Allah Allah, that which will not answer them until Yawm Al-Qiyamah? That which is unaware of their supplications and those who will be their enemies due to their worshiping other than Allah and the and will deny, deny their worship that they offer to them wrongly. Here, the Shaykh mentions the general meaning of this hadith. He says, of this ayah, he says that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has informed us here that there is no one who is more straight, no one who is more ignorant than the one who leaves. The worship of As-Sami' al-Mujeeb, the one who hears and the one who answers, they leave the worship of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and they worship those things which have no ability to answer them, even if they waited until the judgment, the hour of judgment. Either because they are busy worshiping Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala such as the angels, the prophets and the righteous, or because they are inanimate things, such as those idols which they, which they worship, which may be confused with things or otherwise. Then he makes clear, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala makes clear that the people will be gathered on the day of resurrection, and those who are worship, or those who are worshiping others, it will become clear to them the, their empty hopes. The, I mean, the hope that they have in those who they call on other than Allah will become clear to them. When those who they worship will declare themselves free of them on the day of resurrection, and they will turn against them to be their enemies, and they will deny and reject their worship of them totally. From this, I, the Sheikh, mentioned five things. That the most ignorant and the most astray of all people are those who supplicate to other than Allah. Number two, confirmation that those which are worshipped and those which are supplicated are called upon other than Allah, that they are unaware of those who worship them and they are not able to answer them. Number three, that this type of supplication, the supplication of idols other than Allah, it has been called ibadah. It has been called ibadah. It is false ibadah. And shirk, offering ibadah to other than Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Number four, that this supplication or calling on other than Allah, it will be the cause or the reason of the enmity and hatred from those who are worshipped towards those who used to worship them on Yom Qiyam, the day of resurrection. It will be the cause of the enmity and hatred between them. And number five, clarification that those which are worshipped or called upon or supplicated, that they will declare themselves free on Yom Qiyam of the worship of those who worship them. They will free themselves from it. They will disassociate themselves from those acts of worship which were offered by those who worship them instead of offering it to Allah. The relationship of this ayah to the chapter heading is that this ayah indicates that there is no one who is more ignorant or more straight and no one who supplicates other than Allah because dua is ibadah. Therefore they are falling to shirk because any type of ibadah which is offered to other than Allah it is using something that is equal to Allah's shirk. Then he says, notice here concerning the denial or rejection or the kufr, the kufr of those who worship, and denying or rejecting those who worship them, he said that this rejection or this denial of those who worship, denying those who worship them, it is said that they will say it by their tongue, al maqal, that they will actually say from their mouth that they have nothing to do with you. And that denial by the tongue in reference to the angels or the prophets or the righteous is very clear, that they will deny them by word. As for the idol which they used to worship, and other inanimate things, how will they be man? It is said that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will create for them the ability to speak.
if they don't take heed to this, then they wouldn't take heed to anything other than it. Yeah, and it wouldn't benefit anyone if they didn't look at these things which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has stated here. He is the only one who answers, the one who is in need and who protects humanity and keeps the generations going one after another. If that's not sufficient to call someone to worship him alone, then nothing will guide them. From this ayat, the Shaykh mentions six points. The first of them is that ikhlaq or conspiracy in dua. Yani making dua for Allah alone, it is the reason for it being answered. Number two, the confirmation of the barakah or the blessing in dua in general, in supplication. There is a great blessing in supplication. There is a great benefit in supplication and it is confirmed in this ayah. Number three, that evil and or good and evil, it is from the cover of Allah that which Allah has decreed under His power. Number four, the using the youth as a proof of Tawheed al-Uluhiyyah, as a proof to confirm Tawheed al-Rububiyyah. Yet here Allah Taala mentions matters related to Tawheed al-Rububiyyah, and His Lordship that is the one who is the provider and the protector and the one who gives life and death, as a proof for Tawheed al-Uluhiyyah that He alone should be worshipped. And this is a type of uh, proof that is used throughout the Qur'an. Yani the fact that Allah is the creator and the owner and the one who gives life and death, it is a proof that he alone therefore should be worshipped. Number five, the answering of Allah's supplication of the one in distress and removing from him the harm that has befallen him. And number six, the last one you mentioned concerning this, is Ma'rifatullah bin Sitra, that the people can know Allah by the Sitra, by the nature in which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has created them. And even without prophets or messengers coming, it is in the nature of the human being to worship Allah and then know Allah by the nature even without any other source. From this, uh, the relationship of this ayat to the chapter heading is that no one answers the one in distress except Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Therefore, uh, the calling of the distressed one it is al-istighatha, yani seeking help when a person is in distress, therefore it is ibadah. Since no one can answer the one in distress except Allah, then calling on anyone while a person is in distress, it is an act of ibadah. Whoever does it to other than Allah is a shirk, because offering ibadah to other than Allah is shirk. And the last evidence that the shaykh mentions and perhaps we will finish it after the Adhan, if they call the Adhan. It is a hadith which some of the scholars declare to be weak, and from amongst them, the Prophet and Kathir said this hadith, Hada al hadith gharib jibdan. And it contains one of the narrators who then, and it doesn't say the amongst them, Abdul Ibn Lahiyah, who some of the scholars said concerning those who married from him before uh, his, uh, before his change. Uh, before he, he, he lost his ability to marry accurately, they said those who married him from before that time, the hadith is Hassan, and those who married after that time, the hadith is Da'if. Uh, not only that, but also there is a narrator in the Isnad who has not been named an unknown narrator. So this hadith actually should be considered as weak. However, the meaning of the hadith is confirmed by all of the proofs that came before it, and it is a well-known hadith that's mentioned by many of the scholars. It is reported by Tabarani with a chain of narrators to his, his teachers أَنَّهُ كَانَ فِي الزَّمْنِ النَّبِيِّ الْمُؤْمِنِينَ that there was a hypocrite in the time of the Prophet who used to cause harm to the believers فَقَالَ بَعْدُهُمْ قُومُوا بِنَا نَسْتَغِيثُ بِرَسُولِ اللَّهِ صلى الله عليه وسلم من هذا المنافق So some of them said to others let us get up and seek refuge الْإِسْتِغَاثَ let us seek refuge or help or aid in the Messenger of Allah from this hypocrite فقال النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم إنه لا يستغاث إنه لا يستغاث بي إنما يستغاث بالله that really الاستغاثة should not be any help or assistance or aid should not be sought from me but really help and aid and assistance should only be sought from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and I this hadith informs us that a man from amongst the hypocrites used to harm the companions of the Prophet So when they went to the Prophet seeking istirata, seeking help and assistance from him uh, to protect them from the harm of that hypocrite, even though the Prophet was capable and able 
to do so, to protect them from the hypocrite, to help them. However, he prohibited them from making istighatha, from seeking help from him, and that was to guide them to the more correct thing to do, and this was in accordance with his adab, adab ma Allah, to have respect, the proper respect for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and also to close the way, sad al close the ways that lead to shirk, and also to protect the Prophet told them, don't seek help from me, but seek help from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This is a protection of a tawheed, and it is closing the way to shirk, and it is showing other a proper behavior with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, respect for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And even the thing that the Prophet were doing, but he told them, seek refuge in Allah. Allah is more right that you seek refuge in Him. From this hadith, the Shaykh mentions two points. The first of them is clarification of the harm of the hypocrite to the Muslim. The second of them is the prohibition of al istighatha seeking help in other than Allah, in that which no one can do except Allah. That is the prohibition, the absolute prohibition of istighatha is seeking help from other than Allah anything that no one can do except Allah. If it isn't something that someone can do other than Allah, it's permissible. But of course it is not right that we should seek help from Allah than other than Allah. Or at least if we seek help from the human beings or creatures and that which they have the ability to do, but our hearts should be focused towards Allah that ultimately He is the one who can help us. The relationship between this hadith and the chapter heading is that this hadith indicates the prohibition of istighatha in other than Allah in that which only Allah has the ability to do. Therefore we understand from this that istighatha is ibadah and often ibadah to other than Allah Issue. Then the Shaykh mentions as a note here that what is the reconciliation, how can we reconcile between this hadith and the saying of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in reference to Musa alayhi salam? فَاسْتَعَادَهُ الَّذِي مِنْ شِيَعَتِهِ مِنْ شِيَعَتِهِ يعني that the one who is from his party or from his people made istiada, istiqata bihi, istiqata. That one sort help. Yani he was fighting, there was a man from the Bani Israel who was fighting with one of the people from the uh, Egyptians. And he sought help, istighatha from Musa alayhi salam, and he helped him, and he hit that man and killed him actually. So what is the reconciliation between here, the allowance of istighatha in other than Allah, and, and this hadith, the prohibition of seeking any help from other than Allah, and he said that this ayah indicates uh, the permissibility of istighatha from the creatures in that which they have the ability of, the ability to perform. This ayat indicates that it's permissible to seek help from someone in the thing that they have the ability to do. Whereas the hadith, it doesn't prohibit that. But the Prophet only prohibited them from seeking refuge in him, showing the proper respect for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And this is especially, he says, but sometimes there are some expressions that may have two possible meanings, one that is true and one that is false, or one that is correct and one that is incorrect, and we shouldn't just allow such expressions to be used freely. The person may take it in the wrong way, and if the Prophet allowed them to use such an expression, perhaps the people may say that it is an open mind, that istighatha is allowed without conditions, so he kept it to make them to know that not every type or in any case istighatha is allowed and this was to protect the tawheed and to close the way to shirk. Subhanakallahumma wa bihamdika shadwan la ilaha illa anta shakrata wa khabarik I think that the event should have been called perhaps just quickly we can look at the question uh, from the first chapter what is an istighatha and what is its haqam? quickly an istighatha is what? Seeking refuge in other than, or seeking refuge, and the ruling concerning it is seeking refuge and istiaza in other than Allah, it is shirk, it is prohibited. Whereas seeking refuge in Allah, it is in Bada and Tawheed. Explain the verse, there were persons among mankind who took shelter with persons among the jinn. What is the meaning of this verse? Naam? Now?